I want to take a moment of time and try to connect with you in the context of the calendar that has turned from 2018 to 2019. We know that there's a lot of emphasis oftentimes because there are certain things that take place even governmentally. We've all kind of watched things that happen as you turn into the new year. And oftentimes we find ourselves sitting down, looking back at where we've been, anticipating where we possibly might be going in the calendar year in front of us. And we oftentimes develop certain resolutions or goals. We also sometimes have certain expectations that we try to uh, affirm and we try to uh, or create. We look at our health. Often we make uh, resolutions based upon um, our health many times. We often say, if I'll just, you know, I'll wait till after the holidays, right? And, and then we'll set a certain day from there. And I was contemplating that for a moment, and I kind of got stuck with this because I thought to myself that is it a new year or is it a new season? Because that can be two different things, and we have to kind of try to clarify that here if we just might because it might be a new year but it might be the same season if I can draw your attention to a few things here a moment biblically biblically using the language of the authors of scripture biblical history has recorded certain events in accordance with a chronological sequence and with that chronological sequence that's the calendar that's years that's months that's weeks that's days Oftentimes, in the midst of that, we'll find spiritual implants where God does something supernatural. The Bible often defines and distinguishes between uh, this as times and seasons. And I want to explain that for you today because that's the biblical language, times and seasons. And it's not always exactly the same. And you have to look at this. If you're trusting the Word of God to illuminate your path, then you have to put yourself into the language of Scripture and you have to surround yourself by it and hopefully uh, begin to understand it. Let me give you a couple of examples. In the original language of the New Testament, I read only from the Old Testament today. But in that Ecclesiastes there, we see that the Solomon uses both season and time. In the New Testament, you'll find that the New Testament comes to us in the Greek language. And the word uh, time or seasons often comes from two different Greek words. But that same Greek word can then be translated either time or season depending upon the context. And it was right here in this pulpit many, many, many years ago when uh, at the time pastor and evangelist Brian Jarrett highlighted this point. And I have not forgotten it as it was a part of his message that particular moment. He identified to us this thought that there were two Greek words. One is kairos. Many times it is uh, translated time and season. And then there is chronos. So these are two words. If you take the time to get a, a, a Bible concordance and look into the original language, you'll find chronos time and kairos time. What does that mean? Well, chronos is chronological. It's more of a calendar event. Kairos time is more of a season. There's often an overlapping, and he used this analogy. Let's see if we can do this. It might help you in understanding this. He said, you can set a calendar date to plant your tomatoes. If we have more days like yesterday and today and tomorrow, then all of a sudden we'll be thinking we're moving into spring. 
It won't be long before people will begin to till garden beds. And you can say, well, the farmer's almanac says that I'm supposed to plant my tomatoes on April the 12th of the calendar year 2019. You can do that. But you cannot, in essence, say on June the 1st, I'm going to harvest my first ripe tomato. Now, you can see the chronological aspect of it, a calendar date. But that doesn't mean that that tomato has ripened in its season. And so you can see time, yes, a space of time. You can commence it on this date. But its ripening and its maturation is more of a season than it is a time. Does that make sense to you today? And so the, as we moved into calendar year 2019, you may have crossed over in the chronological order. You no longer write when you sign your check uh, 2018, and you may write 2019, but you may still be in the same season that you were in in 2018. Does that make sense? And so let me see if I can uh, take you a little bit farther in this. So as the calendar turns, sometimes the season has not yet matured. And there are occasional moments when one thing will pass and a new will immediately replace the old. But there are also times when there's more of an overlap. And I found that in my own life. And let me give you an example of this. Let's think about just in the, uh, the, the effects of, of the weather. Often the deadness of winter is not suddenly and immediately replaced by the regenerating power of spring. It's not often. I know we can say March the 21st is the last day of winter. It's the first day of spring. But how many of you know that does not often work that way? I've discovered that the deadness of winter is not suddenly and immediately replaced. I know days will grow longer and warmer. I know often there's back and forth warmer, colder, colder, warmer. I know that green grass will begin to appear, but it will begin to appear. Patches here, patches there. I'll begin to see a few buds begin to emerge on the tree. So will you. Animals will begin to rise from their winter dormancy as well as insects. Foliage all begin to stir. Yet oftentimes when you think winter is past us, and we've folded and we've turned the page and we've turned the corner from this. How many of you know there are times when winter will reach up with its icy grip and remind you that it has not yet gone away? I wanted to put a picture up here. I did it two years ago, but we took a little turkey hunting adventure, me, Shane, and two of my sons, in May of 2017. And May in Nebraska, and it had been beautiful, 70-degree weather, green grass, birds chirping, turkeys gobbling, flowers blooming. But a winter storm chose to descend upon south-central Nebraska on May the 2nd or 3rd of that calendar year. And nine inches of snow fell on us while we were up there. Winter will do that to you at times. It will remind you that, yeah, you can say on the calendar it's spring, but Winter said, I'm not quite through fighting just yet. And that's why I wanted to guard you a little bit about saying, well, I've come into 2019 and it's a new season. Well, it might not be. So you've got to be careful. Let me give you some more examples. Often biblical monumental moments of, of historical significance often overlap. Jesus announced when he first began his ministry, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now is the time. That was actually Kairos. Now's the season. Yes, he began to announce and 
preach the gospel of the good news, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. But Jesus was also a minister of the circumcision, ministering under the law. And you and I, when we think about the gospel ministry of Jesus, we think about the gospel of grace. And But the gospel ministry that Jesus preached would continue for 40 years. As long as the temple in Jerusalem stood, then there would always be the leftover residue of the old covenant. But when the temple in Jerusalem fell, then that which was old was made obsolete. And then there was an actual new. But for a period of time, there was an overlap. Does that make sense here today? New Year's resolutions, thoroughly thought out, prayed over, written down. They can be valuable. But listen to this. To suppose that the calendar determines your season is superficial. To suppose that just because a calendar date has changed, seldom can a date on the calendar immediately release and replace habits. Hmm. Habits and tendencies, fears and expectations, hopes and dreams, everything that's necessary to move into a new season. God may be moving you into a new season, but it won't necessarily be without any residue of the old. Let's go. I'll get on that. Y'all stay with me. There may be familiar battles, challenges, habits, and weaknesses. I wrote it this way like this. The enemy may not know it's a new year in your life. The thing that you were wrestling with in 2018, he may have not known he was supposed to stop that when the clock hit 12 uh, o'clock on December 31st that he was uh, released from his assignment because you've moved into a new year. He may not be reading your resolutions. And so you got to be aware just because the calendar date has been crossed over, you may be in an overlap. You may still be in an old season. But the good thing is is that if you're in an old season, I want you to know that you can still have a new perspective. You can still have a new perspective and trust that God's going to do powerful things in your life. Let me give you a couple other examples. You may even move into a new season, yet not immediately assume your full potential. Many years ago, 15 years ago, when I became the pastor at First Assembly after fulfilling a seven-year tenure at Maranatha, the Assembly of God, you could say, well, Pastor Brown, that was a new season. But you know what? That didn't mean I'd reach my full potential. That meant that pastorally, I could be more effective now 15 years later than I was when I first started this new season. Let me give you another biblical example of this. You remember King David? That when King David had received the anointing of God, 1 Samuel chapter number 16 says that the prophet Samuel had gone to the house of Jesse, his father, called all seven of his brothers in front of him and would not anoint any of them. And he said, I know that God spoke to my heart that I'm to anoint one of your sons to be king. Is there not yet another son? He said, well, I've got one. He's the youngest. He's with the sheep. And Samuel said, go get him. We're not going to move another step. We're not going to slay the sacrificial animal and have the, have the feast that we had talked about until you go and get him. And the Bible says that when he saw young David, he knew that's the one. He took the horn of oil and he poured the horn of oil over his head and David was anointed to one day be the king of Israel. But did you know that might have been 13, 14 years later from the time that he was anointed to the time that he was appointed? And did you know what David went back to doing? He went right back to keeping his father's sheep with the fresh fragrance of the anointing of God on his heart and his life 
And yet at the same time, God put him right back where he was. What had changed? What had changed was that there was a potential that was being unlocked on the inside of him. It would not be maximized just yet. It would be maximized at a later date. But how many of you know everything's got to have a beginning date? And when that anointing began to come upon him, the Bible begins to tell us how he began to see great exploits. He then uh, he saved a lot. He saved a sheep out of the mouth of a lion. He saved a sheep out of the mouth of a bear. And then on that day when he stood in King Saul's tent, King Saul said to him, he said, if you're going to really go and fight Goliath, because David had stood up with a bold, powerful profession of faith that he would fight the giant, the Bible says that Saul brought him into his tent. And Saul tried to talk him out of it, but David was convinced that he could do it. Well, Saul put his armor on him. Saul put his sword, put his mail coat, gave him his own sword. David's walking out of the king's tent. There's clanging, the sound of armor. And, and he's anointed, but there's one thing he's not. He's not comfortable with that sword. Let me tell you this. There would come a day when David would be very comfortable wielding a king's sword. There would come a day when he would lead armies, but it was not that day. But the thing that he was aware of was that he was familiar with that sling. He had spent many a long hour outside in the Judea in wilderness with a rock in one hand a sling in the other target practicing and protecting his father's sheep and one thing that he knew about was that God had anointed him to do great exploits so there was a familiarity with the sling there was an uncomfortableness with his future but I want you to know today because he stayed faithful to what God called him to do then he accomplished one and didn't let go of the other he fulfilled the task at hand but he also set himself up for what was yet in front of him. Come on, somebody. And I want you to know that because, that's because of an understanding of what season that he was in. He didn't attempt to fight the enemy with tomorrow's potential. He attempted to fight the enemy with what God had done in his life today. And sometimes you, we get so caught up about tomorrow that we don't stop to stay. Wait a minute. I'm not just going to be anointed tomorrow. I'm anointed right now. Glory to God. I'm not just going to be blessed tomorrow. I'm blessed right now. I'm not just going to be encouraged tomorrow. I'm going to encourage myself today. I'm not going to just wait on you to write me a New Year's letter encouraging me or send me a textbook message. I'm going to get along with God, and I'm going to build myself up in faith, and I'm going to call on the name of the Lord and trust that God is able to use me right now. Yeah, everything's not right. I'm not as mature as I will be, but there's one thing I am. I am anointed of God. That's the perspective that we can have in the season of life that we are in right now. You have to be very, very careful with creating a mindset that just because the calendar changes, the season does, because that's not always the case. I've personally experienced disappointments in my life when I assumed that a calendar date meant a new season. I've actually experienced failed expectations that led to personal disappointment and trauma. And I want to guard against that today. Because here's the reality for many. As the calendar closed and the new one began, your season remained the same. I just want to be frank and honest with you today. It doesn't necessarily mean 2019 is a new job, new promotion, a new career, or if you're single, a new relationship. Nothing around you may have changed, but inwardly your perspective can change. Inwardly, you can begin to embrace your current season. 
You can embrace where you are right now. And you can say, you know what, God, I'm going to look for ways to bring you glory right now. Not necessarily starting tomorrow. Jesus told Mary and Joseph when he was 12 years old, you remember this? When he had separated from his family's pilgrimage back home to Nazareth. And three days after the pilgrimage began, back from Jerusalem to Nazareth, Mary said, do you have him, Joseph? No, I thought he was with your family. Well, it's not with my family. Someone preached years ago that they lost Jesus. They lost Jesus, and they had to turn and go, and they searched for three days. Three days inside the the masses of humanity inside Jerusalem, and probably out of despair, they went to the temple to pray. Probably out of despair, they said, let's go to God's house and let's begin to pray. And they heard the faint sound of a young adolescent boy over in the corner talking to the lawyers and the, and the doctors and, and everybody. And, and, and he, they go and they said, that sounds like Jesus, our young uh, 12-year-old son. And they go and there he is in the middle of the most learned men of his generation who are marveling at the, at the knowledge that this young boy possesses. And Mary said to Jesus, she said this, she said, did you not know that your father and I would be worried about you? And remember what Jesus said. It's almost as if he contrasted her words because she said, your father and I. Because he said this. He said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And now that sounds exciting. And you would think that he would have then abode right in Jerusalem. Like the prophet Samuel raised up in the house of God. But you know what he did? He went back home with his mom and dad. For 18 more years, he was subject to them, awaiting his season to come. And so when he announces that the kingdom of God is at hand, the time is fulfilled, that prophetic word that he spoke 18 years earlier is now come to pass. Glory to God. Now, we get excited about moving into new seasons, but we have to guard ourselves from vacating where we're at right now. You've got to build upon where you are right now because where you are and what you do, how you handle yourself now, might be the determining thing whether or not you get to move into a new season in life. I've seen a lot, including myself, fail to embrace the moment that I'm at right now. And so you may still be in the old season, but let me tell you this today. You can have a new perspective. Now, the reality is this, equally as much. Perhaps 2019 will usher you into a new season. Maybe some dead things will pass away. And the resurrecting power of God will bring new things into your life. I think that's a good thing, don't you? If so, let me say this to you right now. Don't devalue where where you are or where you've been. Don't do that. That'd be a mistake. David's anointing was for a new season. I want you to ponder his life for just a brief moment, and then I'm going to take you to Joshua 5 today. David's anointing was a new season. He was empowered in his battle with Goliath. But see, that was followed by another new season, when he was taken from the sheepfold to dwelling in the king's house. Another season began when he became the captain of the army. Later, there was another season. Sometimes seasons doesn't necessarily mean everything pleasant. David became a fugitive. 
That was a season in his life. He's running from the king, hiding out in the wilderness of, uh, of the Judean wilderness, not knowing whether he'll live or die, walking wide around every corner. But that was a season in his life. And then later there was a season when he would eventually lead the kingdom that he had been promised probably as many as 13 years earlier. But listen to this. How he handled himself in his uncomfortable season determined how and when God would bring him into the new. I want to say that one more time because I think that we miss this oftentimes. How you handle yourself in an uncomfortable season, that was when David was a fugitive, could determine how and when God would bring him into a new season. The way he handled Saul when Saul was trying to take his life determined the integrity of his heart that God would use for him to lead the nation of Israel. And when I say this, don't devalue the things that seem insignificant in your life as seasons that really didn't mean that much, I'm telling you, those are the moments that you may have found God proving things in your life. Can I give you one example of this real quickly to fulfill that narrative with David before I turn the page and go to Joshua? I love Psalm 78. It's a brief narrative of the history of Israel, and it, clued, it concludes with David being chosen. David being chosen to be the king. And it says these words that he led them by the, or he fed them by the integrity of his heart and he led them by the skillfulness of his hand. Isn't that powerful? Can I say that one more time? He led them by the integrity of his heart and the, he, he led them by the skillfulness of his hand. Excuse me, he fed them and he led them. Integrity of his heart, skillfulness of his hand. But where was that formed? If you'll put that and go back to the preceding verse, here's where it says, God took him from the sheepfold. How many of you know every day David got up? I'm so tired of looking at sheep. Every day that he would hear the braying and the sound, the bang and the sound of sheep in his ear, or the rustle in the, in the, in the thicket that could be another wolf or another lion to come and steal, or the sun beating down on his head during the day, or the coldness of those desert nights. How many know there were many times David wanted to be moved into a new season? But it was that old season where God was proving him that was preparing his heart to take him into the new season. And so many years later when he's now the king of Israel, it wasn't what was formed in his heart when he was leading the army of Israel. It wasn't even necessarily what was being formed when he was the fugitive before Saul, but when he was in the sheepfold doing the thing that he despised to do, that God was forming his character. Don't be afraid of the old season. Does that make sense to you today? If you'll embrace it, I'm telling you, if you'll embrace where you are, God will use it. God will use it to thrust you forward into a new season of your life. I wrote it this way. Every season of your life can be marked by growth. I'm preaching way better than you are shouting today on the first calendar year of 20, or the Sunday of calendar year 2019. Failures and successes can all help lead you into a new season. But let me say this, a new season doesn't necessarily mean a new location. Doesn't mean necessarily new friendships, but rather it can mean greater perspective and greater potential. Greater possibilities with God. Your role may change while your status remains the same. But it can still be a new season that God can bring you into. And I'm going to trust that many of you are going there. I want to go, if you will, with me to Joshua chapter 5, our original text of Scripture today. And bringing this to a close and seeing if this helps you in any way. Because it's really helped me when I've meditated on it. 
As I've contemplated and I've been so privileged to read about it since Tuesday of this past week when the Holy Spirit seemed to direct my thoughts to a particular passage or thought and I kind of knew where I was going. I want to take a moment to build the context of where Joshua chapter 5 comes in the history of the nation of Israel. Forty years earlier, the prophet Moses had come back from Mount Sinai having an experience with God, a burning bush illuminating the power of God in his heart and life, the confidence that though he was a stutterer and though he felt limited in his ability the the Bible had promised that God would use him God had promised that he would use him to bring the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage everybody's familiar with what we call the exodus through the power of a Passover offering and the lamb that was slain and the blood that was applied to the doorpost and the lintel of the of the children of Israel's homes the the death angel had passed through all the land of Egypt but because God had seen the blood man I could preach right there he saw the blood, he passed over Israel, and God used that moment to bring Israel out of Egyptian bondage. There was the miracle of the crossing of the Red Sea. All of their enemies were swallowed up when the waters crashed in upon them, but Israel was delivered, having walked through the dried-up seabed on dry, sandy soil. And there, So that you could say, in essence, that was a new season, but unfortunately, they brought a lot of their same struggles into the new season. And they even wanted to elect a new leader and go back to Egypt because they were in such bondage. And ultimately, there was a tipping point with the report of the spies. And the word came through Moses that all the male men, that the, or the, the, the men old enough, 20 years old and upward, that had come out of, of Egypt, that they, their carcasses, King James English, would die in the wilderness. And Israel would be subjected to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Moses himself stumbled along the way. He's forbidden from entering into the promised land. The 38th year passes. The 39th year passes. The 40 year pass. Moses, the man of God, goes up on Mount Nebo and he dies. But before he died, he had laid his hands on his servant, Joshua. Joshua had come out of Egypt himself. Joshua was one of the 12 spies that was not overwhelmed in unbelief, but believed that God would bring them into the promised land. The Bible says plainly that when Moses laid his hand upon Joshua, the Spirit of God came upon Joshua for this new season that was in his life. For 30 days, the children of Israel mourned the death of Joshua, or excuse me, of Moses, until Mo Joshua arises with a perspective that, that now is our new season. He begins to hear the direction of God. God begins to point him to take the children of Israel and position them on the east bank of the Jordan River. The promised land was on the west side of the Jordan River. And God begins to use him in leadership. And the Bible says he begins to promote Joshua, begins to elevate Joshua in the eyes of all of Israel. The promise was, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you all the days of your life. Jojo quotes the verse of Scripture, Joshua 1 and 8. God came to him and said, if you will meditate upon the law of God both day and night, I will prosper you and you will have good success. And so they are poised for a new season in their life. But there's a monumental thing that's got to take place. In front of them is the waters of the Jordan River. And if you read the narrative from chapter 1 through chapter 4 that we omitted, the Bible says it's harvest time. 
And at harvest time, the Bible says that the Jordan River overflows its banks during harvest time. Now, Jojo and I can remember this specifically because we stood several years ago at the Jordan River, not during harvest time. And the water was low, and there was parts of it it could have been easy to cross. But our interpreter and our guide said, look up on the wall. And there were several marks along the wall, and there was one way up there about 20 feet. And it said that that's where the water goes during its flood stage. And so that's when God said, now's time to go. Now, isn't that just like God? See, if you were trying to plan out your new season, you would say, you know, I think we ought to wait until the summer sun has caused the waters to abate just a little bit. Let's do it and make it easier on ourselves. But I'm telling you, you're not God. And you don't know when the new season is upon you. God has to reveal it to you that he's bringing you into a new season. And so God is going to use what takes place. So God gives it. Are y'all with me out there? And I feel Jesus in here today. I'm my preacher's getting unlocked right now. And if you'll stay with me, I'm telling you, God's going to give you a prophetic word in your heart that's going to help you move from where you are right now. And to know that if you're on the edge of a new season, you've got to follow God. Because this window's not always open long to get poised to be what God's called you to be in a new season in life. And so God gives him instruction and they bring the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant's on the shoulders of the priest. And when the priests step into the swirling waters of the Jordan River, the Bible plainly says the waters are immediately cut off. The water no longer trickles south into the Dead Sea. But then the waters on the left side, on the north side, begin to back up. They begin to mount up as a heap, and they begin to push. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the people were thinking when they stood there in awe as that water began to back up? It was as if God was saying, listen, you thought miracles were only in days gone by, but I want you to know I'm the same yesterday, I'm the same today, and I'll be the same tomorrow. And if you'll believe me, you'll not only see this, but greater things than these. And so with the waters backing up, Israel too crosses over dry ground. And when Moses, or Joshua says, come on out of the water, priest, the Bible says that the waters began to fall right back into the riverbed. Now what's so significant about the power of that miraculous moment when that water began to back up? It backed up all the way into the northern areas of what we call the promised land. And there were Canaanite cities on either side of the Jordan River that suddenly began to see the waters back up and stand on a heap. And then they say, what is this thing that's going on? And it's noised abroad that the Israelites are now in the land. And when that happened, all the kings of the Canaanite cities, they began to flee the fields and lock themselves up in the four walls of their, of their cities because they were afraid of the children of Israel. And so you say, Pastor, at that moment when God could have taken them at the easy time, God chose to bring them at the difficult time because he wanted to send a message to their enemies that God was on the scene and the children of Israel were coming to take possession of the promised land. Glory to God. So that's why when you're going through a hard time in your life and you're disgruntled at this season of life that you're in, you need to keep on walking through the dry riverbed because God's going to use the testimony of you going through that difficult season to send word to your enemy that God's about to do something in your life. Glory to God. And so the children of Israel cross and they camp. 
and this is where it gets real, real in here today. Nobody likes to talk about this next thing, but we're going to talk about it for a few moments in here today. Because I know that the calendar years changed, but some people are gradually being moved from an old season to a new season. But there can be a tipping point. The Bible says, Joshua said, you need to make sharp knives for yourselves. Pastor Brown, what are you talking about? The covenant mark of circumcision had not been practiced for 40 years. According to the Mosaic law, the Hebrew men were not declared sons of Abraham until they were marked by the covenant mark of circumcision. Now, there's a depth to this church family. These are not, this is not the act of circumcision upon an eight-day-old baby. These are full adult men who crossed the waters of Jordan with swords on their side ready to possess the promised land. But God said, I can't bring you into your new season until you cut away the flesh. So let me go right there. God said, until you have the courage to cut away the deadness of your flesh, I can't bring you into the new season and move you into the possession of your promised land. And I began to think about that in my own life, and I began to think about that for many of you here today. Many of you are poised for God to take you in to a new season of conquest and possession and the blessing of God, but you're still struggling with the weaknesses and the habits and the desires of your flesh. And God's waiting on you to sharpen your knife and to have the courage to circumcise your own fleshly appetite. And if you'll do that as you move into this new season, then God will make you whole and God will prepare you to become a warrior in a season of possession for you, your house, and your household in Jesus' name. And when I saw that even farther, let me even go one farther than that, since it's kind of waking my preacher in here today. Did you notice what they named that place? They said, let's call it Gilgal. What does that mean? Gilgal in the Hebrew means rolling or rolling away. And notice what God said to Israel. God said, because you've been courageous enough to circumcise your own flesh, I've now rolled away. You're talking about a new season. I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. I've rolled away all the failure. I rolled away all the trauma. I rolled away the mindset of a slave. I rolled away all the things that tricked and caused your family to stumble until your family's carcasses died or were buried in the wilderness. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a Gilgal. It's a rolling away. Cut away the flesh. You can have a Gilgal in 2019. You can have a moment where God says, I'm moving you out that I might move you in so that you you can be all that I've called you to be in my season that I'm bringing you into. Glory to God. Let me go further, and I'll ask Aaron to join me as I get ready to close in here today. And I just feel Jesus locked up in my spirit today. I don't know what God's going to do with our church, but I do believe God's going to bring us into a new season. I do believe that. Maybe it's time for us to make some decisive decisions. Maybe it's some time for us to say, God, I want and I need this. But whatever the case, whatever he wants, that's what I want. But whatever he wants for you, that's what I want for you. And you can't move into your destiny 
You can't move into who God's called you to be, continuing to struggle with the sins of yesterday. It's not, you're going to have to have the courage to sharpen the knife and cut away some things in the expectation that God will heal you up and bring you into your new season of life. And then I saw this. This is so, the whole thing's just rich. Because as we close this message today, it's a powerful thing when you begin to see the prophetic fulfillment of things that were promised to your life. Do you all understand what I mean by that? I don't know if you ha- do, but I'm going to try to help you with it just a little bit. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the finisher. He that begins a good work in you is he that will complete that good work. So when he formed you, he finished you. Now, see, our life is revealed day by day, but not so with God. God saw the end from the beginning. So he saw where you would be when you were here now. And so every now and then, God will give you a little prophetic word that will help you to say, you know what? God, I'm going to, when you hear that and you know it and it resounds inside of you, see, a prophetic word can reveal the will of God for your life. There are a lot of churches that don't have the spirit of prophecy, but we want to be a church that possesses the spirit of prophecy because God in His divine, in, in, His, in His infinite wisdom, can reveal to us things about our future that can help us move in that direction. Can I, can I go further with this? It's locked up inside me. If you want, I'll pass it on to you here today. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2, or excuse me, no, no, 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 18. I've shared this many times, but I want to echo it today. Paul told Timothy, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before concerning you, by these thou mayest wage a good warfare. What's that say? That meant that there was a moment in Timothy's life when somebody spoke a prophetic word over his heart. It resounded with his spirit. It was judged by others around, and it was determined that was the will of God. And so he told Timothy, Timothy, as you live your life and certain things are in front of you, never lose sight. God said, you're here, but I'm going to take you over here. Because if you're not, you'll get distracted. If you're not, other people will direct and, and misdirect you and redirect you in the way that they think you should go when God said you need to go right here. Now, I believe that many of you have had prophetic words spoken over your life. I believe that you've had dreams and visions, things that God's given you. And it's not always a prophetic word. This is the prophetic word. See, that's why when you read the Bible, you don't just read the Bible for historical information. You read the Bible for prophetic direction. You hear what I'm saying? God can direct you through the Word of God. And when He quickens that Word inside you, that's a promise that's made about your future. And you know, say, I'm trying to help you to know when you're moving into a new season. When you begin to see some of the things that God promised you come to pass, then you can rest assured you've moved from the east side of Jordan to the west side of Jordan. And you can begin to possess the promised land that God's given you. Is that exciting today? A season of conquest. Let me give you a little bit more in closing here today in the name of Jesus. The Bible says they ate the old corn of the land. Did y'all catch that? You'll read right over that if you're not careful. The old corn of the land. What does that mean? The old corn of the land. Until that day for 40 years, every day, manna. Every day looked like coriander seed fell on the ground at night, send the kids to gather it in the morning, grind it up, pat it out, make a cake. Time to celebrate Christmas. What's for dinner today? 
manna. <laughs> it's your birthday. What'd you make me, Mama? A manna cake. I'm not talking about one day. I'm talking about every day. How many know you'll be longing for fresh strawberries? You'll be longing for a watermelon. You'll be longing for something. Even though manna was good and divine, it had a season. And the Bible says they ate the old corn of the land. Where did they get the old corn of the land? Go back to the miracle of crossing the Jordan. The old corn meant it had been gathered and stored in somebody's barn. So when Israel crossed the Jordan River, that season of uncertainty, that crossing point, when word resounded to all the Canaanites that the Israelites had crossed the river at the most difficult and dangerous of times, every man fled into the walled city. They were just outside of Jericho. So every man that owned land around Jericho fled and vacated his barn. And Israel walks in and says, I'll have a wheat, I'll have parched corn, I'll have whatever is hanging. You say, Pastor, what's so significant about that? Forty years earlier, God had told Israel, I'm going to bring you into a land and I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. I'm going to give you wells you didn't dig. I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't plant. There are going to be barns filled with plenty, and you didn't put it there, but God put it there. And when that began to happen, you know the Israelites, I don't know if there were any Pentecostals among them, but if there was, I'd have been saying, Miriam, it's time to crank the music up one more time. We're going to celebrate. We moved into a new season with God. When you begin to see things like that, you can know. You can know you're in a new season in your life. And it's not a season of wandering. It's a season of conquest. It's a possession. This is who you've been called to be. This is who you've been called or what you've been called to do. And time's going to cause me to not preach in detail, but I thought even further. It wasn't a time to sow and plant. The natural tendency might have been to stop. Say, man, this is good. Let's start tilling ground, planting seed. It wasn't time to sow and plant. It was a time to possess. God had judged the Canaanite cities. And God was giving them to Israel as their inheritance. And so they had to know what season that they were in. And lastly, in fulfilling this today, for I feel the Spirit of God in the house today, don't you? Do you feel the Spirit of God? I know that the Spirit of God is invisible, and sometimes He's not tangible. But there's other times He's invisible, but He is tangible. And I feel Jesus in the house today. The presence of God in our hearts and our lives because God's forming something. He's showing you where you are. Don't fail to embrace the old season because that's what God is using to prove and to bring you into the new season. Be prepared for it. Celebrate it. Embrace it. And the last thing I saw out of that passage that just was a confirmation. Joshua looked up and there's that lone warrior. He looked over at his soldiers and he's like, who is that by himself? And he went over. He said, now, who are you? And if you're for us, then you need to tell us. And he said, I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. You better kick your shoes off right now, brother, because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. What was that? Who was that? Now, some try to tell us that was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. I'm not going there today. 
I'll tell you who I think it was. In the book of Deuteronomy and also in the book of Exodus. Forty years earlier, God said, when I get ready to bring you into the promised land, I'm going to send my angel in front of you. He's going to go in front of you. He's going to fight against your enemies. How did Joshua know that now was the time? It wasn't a time to beat their swords into plowshares. It was a time to beat their plowshares into swords because the captain of the Lord of hosts had come down from heaven and was sent in front of him to go and wage warfare in his advance. And when God begins to put that fresh, fragrant anointing on your life, and you begin to feel it and notice it and it's tangible, then you can rest assured God's brought you into a new season and now's the time to move that direction. Won't y'all stand up? I want to ask you today, let's have an old-fashioned altar service for a few moments. Would you come join me at the altar today? I want to ask you, listen, as you come, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Brown, today as you preached, I was thinking about my life and I was thinking about, you know, right? I'm still in the old season. That's okay. I wanted to tell you that. I wanted you to know it's okay to be in the old season. The old season is where you get your perspective right, where you awaken the prophetic dreams in your heart, and you begin to long for the new season. Are y'all hearing with me today? I believe that in this house today. And I want to encourage you, if you'll come back tonight, time won't let me do it in an AM service. Me and Joe and... And, and Jace and Shane and Brent or whoever's here, we'll anoint you with oil as we trust that God's going to be an anointing service. And we'll pray for you to move into the new season if God's moving you into a new season. But you've got to learn to embrace the old season. Can I say that? That's good. I know nobody wants to talk about the old season, but it's how you handle yourself in the old season that dictates when and where God can take you into the new season. Don't vacate it. Be led out of it. If you vacate it, you'll miss God. But as you begin to move into a new season in life, church family, you know if I could tell you the biggest thing that's set between many of us and a new season of life is a sharp knife. (laughs) Isn't that good right there? A sharp knife. A sharp knife is what's keeping a lot of people in their old season. Did y'all hear that? Let me say, there's a lot of you under the sound of my voice today that if you were being honest with yourself, you would say that to me today. You'd say, you know what, I've been at this, I've been camped on this side of the Jordan River for a long time. And it's a sharp knife that's kept, I haven't sharpened my, I haven't had the courage to cut away these weak areas of my flesh. And it's hindered me from moving into the rightful place that God's called me. I feel like God's talking to some of y'all here today with that very principle right there. Listen, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to say it very respectfully. Can't not, not only can't, ain't nobody. We ain't circumcising you for you. We're giving you the knife. You got to cut away your own flesh. Are y'all hearing me? That's a spiritual word for you here today. That's a, that's a, that's a parable, a similitude. You know what you're talking about. Habits, tendencies, weak areas of your flesh, murmuring. That's why I said a resolution may not work, but a cutting away will. A cutting away will. And when you cut it away, you need time to heal. Don't cut it away and then try to run and start your possession. Cut it away and wait on God to heal you. 
wait on God to give you a new perspective and awaken those dreams and visions in your life. Let's take a moment to pray. You pray right where you're at, if you would, in this house today. I feel the Lord. I feel His Spirit. I feel the presence of God. I feel that there are some under the sound of my voice. I feel this echoing in my spirit today, especially this right here, especially the ones that would say, Pastor Brown, in the name of Jesus, I've been on this side of the Jordan River for so long. I've been comfortable, and, I've, and yet I have never fulfilled my destiny. I've never fulfilled the purpose that God's given me because I've been unwilling to circumcise my flesh. I still have these habits. I still have these tendencies. I still talk about people. I still murmur and complain. I still have these addictions. They rob from me. And I've read books about it, and I've been taught about it, and I know what I need to do. I know the practice of circumcision. I know, I know the procedure of circumcision. I know the process and the pain. But I just have lacked the courage. Today, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to bless the people under the sound of my voice today that are hearing this prophetic word, and this word is speaking in your spirit. God, give them the courage to begin to cut away the flesh in the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, let me do this in closing today. I will anoint every person tonight that wants to be anointed, but I'm going to have to, because there's so many here today, I'm only going to focus on one group. If you're courageous and honest enough to come right to the front of this altar and say, Pastor, I know the thing between me and a new season is the cutting away of my flesh. And I want you to pray for me, Pastor Brown. I'm unashamed. I want the church family to stand with me. We'll anoint you with oil. I'll pray over you. We're going to trust that you're going to sharpen your knife. So whoever that is, and I feel the Lord calling some of you right there today, whoever it is, come on, don't be ashamed. A new season, a cutting away of your flesh. You know what it means. You know who it is. You know, come on, habits, tendencies, things that have bound you up, limited you, hindered you. It's time to cut them away. Come on, in the name of Jesus. It's time to cut them away by the Spirit of the Lord. We're believing God in the name of Jesus. Sharpen your knife is what the man of God said.